Okay, let's dive back into Anne and Lucy because I can't stop thinking about them. I can't sleep on this another night. What is sleep? What is sleep? All I do is think about Anne and Lucy. All right, so let's let's get back into this. <laughs> oh, God, Question I'm for sorry. You. I'm muting. I'm sorry, I can't. Wait. Oh, God. <laughs> Should I start that all over? Yeah, you might need to. I was being, I was being grumpy. Bonnets at Dawn. This is the last part of our Anne and Lucy series. Technically still our last episode. Technically still our last episode, guys. We just have more to say. Bonnets and we can't turn them. The only podcast where we just are like, (laughs) we'll make this two episodes because we talked for too long. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is like when podcasts get, you know, like Patreons, you know? And they like release the 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 other part. Yeah, exactly. on their sites. Yeah, it's like that, but no money. Yeah, we just give it all away for free. We just can't shut up. Should we? Say so that's your host Lauren Burke, and I'm your host Hannah Chapman. True story. I'm Team Bronte. I'm Team Austin. And we are here to finally, finally, really, for real this time, discuss Anne and Lucy. Now that you know both books inside and out. We just did the Gordon Ramsay fake out twice. We're like, hey, hey, you, who cooked this? This is great. <laughs> we did it two times in a row. Yeah, we did. Hannah, I've got a question for you. Good grief. What? What? Shoot, go. Do you think that Anne Elliot was depressed? <sighs> um... a hard one i know i mean after her mom's death after a failed relationship you know she kind of just fades in the background for those eight years like is she suffering from no okay truthfully do i no Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i think she was worn down i think she was overlooked i don't think she was depressed i think uh i think that having a reserved and more quiet temperament and being disappointed in life is not the same as having depression I don't yeah, I don't think I don't think she was suffering with depression. I agree with that. But the only thing I would say is that when they go to Lyme Regis, like how it like just puts her back in spirits, how she just sort of like lifts up, you know? Yeah. And I think and so that I wasn't if sure if that was Jane Austen sort of like saying that this is she is she's sort of like coming out of something. I think she was coming out of something. I don't think she was coming out of clinical depression. All right. I think I don't like the, yeah, I don't know. I think that if, 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 yeah, I don't, it's, it's, yeah, it's not my reading of it. I don't think. Um, and I would say, I'd go back and I'd say, what was that thing when we were talking about, um, Mr. Darcy, the, uh, putting a 21st century diagnosis on. Oh, with the autism. Yeah. People read him as autistic. Fictional characters, but also someone from 200 years ago. And so you can like, is she depressed? And it's like, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I haven't read it and been like, oh, this is a story of depression. They just didn't know what it was. In my mind, it's just that it's the story of someone who is like 
quite like a quieter personality who's just constantly put upon who does have happiness but it's they're just they're worn down they're just they're, they're worn down and used to being pushed into the corner but is it depression i don't know no i think i'd say not with lucy snow i'm definitely gonna just armchair diagnose her with depression oh yeah like lucy but snow, i think it's, that's actually head. not that's not i think that's yeah not even that's not even a reach i'm pretty sure charlotte's saying that yeah I'm sure, pretty sure Lucy says it, actually. I feel like I have the quote somewhere. Um, I think Anne Elliot is depressed. I don't think she has depression. Does that make okay. sense? That does make sense, yes. Okay. Lucy Snow... Is suffering, suffering from depression. Is suffering from depression. Yeah, she does say this in the book, actually. Um, People are more likely to be sympathetic to physical want, such as hunger, than to psychological deprivation. So... Like, if you think about, like, especially that bit where she is um, on her own in the school and just how she really, like, tailspins in in that environment. um, Mm -hmm. Like, that's just one, you know. And I think she's, you know, high high functioning and all all of the things that you would say, because, like, obviously she does, she gets up and goes. But I think it's when that external drive, like, the fear of your life, is gone where she's kind of like the the thing that's been pushing her along just to keep her alive is just kind of like there's no there's no one here there's no let's just lie down and yeah be sick yeah yeah that's a hard part we didn't really talk about it um a lot in the last episode um when she is in the school when she's alone when they're on break and it's like your routine stops Mm mm-hmm yeah. And then you just fall apart. And I am very much that person. Just like I, I like to be busy constantly because I'm afraid of like of when everything stops, like of me just like completely shutting down. Yeah. And to, and to not want to get like massively, I say to not want to get massively personal. I'll talk about my love life until the cows mm-hmm. come home. Like as someone who just over half a decade ago is diagnosed with uh, borderline personality disorder, like, if if I don't have a routine and you've seen this happen firsthand Lauren like if I don't have a routine I I slide very quickly into depression like very quickly yeah uh and can't leave the house and become agoraphobic and can't get off the sofa and can't eat so I like I think maybe that is one of the reasons that for me Lucy Snow is a hard character because it it's the Charlotte Bronte thing it's too close and it's yeah it's too close in a way that I can't laugh off Mm-hmm. It's too real. That's fair. Lucy Snow it, is, it is a little real. too real. It is a little too real. And whereas I feel like maybe Anne's Anne's not super real to me. Like she almost is a bit um Darcy-like in the way that I feel like she's almost an empty vessel. Like I feel like a lot of people could relate to her, but I don't feel like I know very like specific things about her. Which is interesting. See, I think I feel that's like unfair I, because I think I think you're coming at that because Lucy Snow is so real and because Lucy Snow is depression and Anne Elliot is depressed it's like she's less real well I just feel like I don't really know I know like her feelings but I don't know about her like I don't know any anecdotes about Anne like I don't feel like I have Anne's history yeah that's true that's my thing I feel like I, I just want more history on her but which, what's interesting is like the same can be said for Lucy because Lucy's keeping all these things from you. Like you don't know how Lucy's like family died. 
No. Like, what's going on with that? You know what I mean? I think, but but also there's so much more story in Villette. Yeah. It's yeah. a much bigger, denser book than Persuasion. And yeah, is, absolutely. And Elliot, like, they're a lot of Jane Austen's heroines don't you don't have like a lot of anecdotal story they're not like retelling you about their childhood all the time or remember that funny time three summers ago when no I guess I just like if I compared it to someone her to someone like Emma like I've met an Emma in the world do you know what I mean like I feel like I know Emma a little bit more you're young because also you've I feel like you'll you'll meet some Anne's I'll meet some Anne's (laughs) Someday, someday I'll meet an Anne. I'm an Anne. I keep telling you. I'm like pounding my legs. I mean, maybe. I think we can all relate to Anne, but I don't know if you're an Anne Elliot. No, I'm too funny. Yeah, exactly. Come on now. Sorry. I don't think you could keep your mouth shut. I mean, and I like that about you. No, Please don't that's, take that, that as an insult. It's like persuasion is my aspirational text for keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> I don't want been able to do. I can't lie. <laughs> I don't want you to keep your mouth shut, though. I like mouthy women. I couldn't even be a Lucy Snow. Like, imagine me trying to tell this story and sitting on that Doc John thing. I'd be like, I'm going to tell you the story of how I met a man <laughs> when I was a child, and then I met him again as an adult. And I knew who he was, but I didn't tell him for a long time. That would be how I <laughs> open the story. It would be hard to be a Lucy Snow, too. It would be hard to be either of these characters. I think that's actually why they're both interesting to me. And reading them both back to back was interesting in a way of like, I don't really relate to these people. I'm, I want to know more about them. I'm kind of fascinated by them. Like, because I think when I go out to set, like, to, to write characters, and maybe I should stop doing this. Maybe this is like just like insecurity. My whole thing is like, okay, is this person relatable? Mm-hmm. Is this person like driving the story? Are they, you know, are they funny? Are they fun to be with? Do you want to be with them like as a reader? Um, so that's kind of the way like I approach characters. But I feel like neither of these, char- like that wasn't the strategy for either character. No, no. Which I, I like, and it just, it's making me think, like, differently about the way that I approach things. I think I've, oh. I've thought more about this comparison between Lucy and Anne than, than a lot of other things that we've looked at since starting the show. Because we've been doing this for so long. Because <laughs> we've been teasing this episode for so long. about it for so long. Just even, like, yeah. trying to get my thoughts down. Like, I remember being worried about the Jane Eyre episode. And actually, I'm interested to know if you did this, but when thinking about Valette for me because I've only like I read both of um both Jane Eyre and Valette last year for the first time like in one year I kind of like began the year with one and ended the year with the other and mm-hmm. actually then no I read them both in the summer <laughs> and I <laughs> ended the summer with these books and so while I was writing my notes for this as much as I was comparing um Lucy with Anne and you know undoubtedly even though it wasn't the point Valette and Persuasion I just kept coming back to Jane Eyre and Jane the storyteller versus Lucy the storyteller and how Charlotte Bronte is doing like those two narrative techniques, but in like very different ways. But actually, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, Jane and Lucy are very similar. Yeah. And I know that one of your favourite things about about this book are the autobiographical elements. And I know that I was saying in 
um, in persuasion, obviously, people think that Jane Austen is writing about a big life, but it isn't autobiographical in the same sense. Right. I think there are autobiographical elements, but I don't think there is as much Jane Austen in Anne as there is Charlotte Bronte in Lucy Snow. Yeah, and for absolutely. me, it's too, you know, like I said many times in the last episode, for me, it's, I think it's too much. I think it's too much. I find it overwhelming. Yeah, I think they're, yeah, they're both, they're in different places in their life and they're both doing different things. So yeah, they are both using their life experience to tell a story. But Jane's like, I mean, I think De- Jane is definitely Lady Russell here and her niece, Fanny, is Anne. And she's like, okay, let me look at this situation and think about it. I hope that when I die, like how I would. I'm remembered for that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you are too. I think that makes sense to me. Um, you know, it's it's something that's like sort of, you know, she's thinking about in her real life that she's just bringing over into a story and sort of resolving on the page. Mm-hmm. And also like trying to teach a lesson too. Like that's the other thing I think that has like, it's almost like she's trying to give Fanny advice with persuasion, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas Charlotte is in a completely different place in her life. And I just think that she's sort of figuring things out and she's sort of a little bit aimless too. Like I said, in the last episode, I mean, it's angry. angry. It's a very angry book. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that, you know, every artist at some point in their life, like at least once produces a piece of work that it's just like trying to work things out about their life or their experience. It's funny because I remember, I remember um, on the back of a breakup, writing a really angry, like, life experience piece for The Guardian when I was 21, as if I had any life experience. And yeah. And just like, this isn't about anything. <laughs> that was like the <laughs> Well, no, they were just like, we're not, we don't want this. And then I said, can you give me some feedback? Because I'm a creative writing student. And they were just like, this isn't about anything. This isn't helpful. And then actually, um, the guy read it and he was like, man, you like, you can't ever publish this. This is horrible. And I was just like, I actually, I feel great now that I've written this. So, well, I'm really desperate great. to read it. <laughs> oh, it's gone. It's, it doesn't exist anymore. But um, <sighs> yeah, uh, it feels like, this is that, but this is 500 pages longer. Than the yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, they're both, I mean, also what struck me too, reading them both back to back, because again, I read a lot of heroines that are very, that are driving the story. That's what mm-hmm. I kind of like look for in a book. And um, just they're both isolated. And as much as like Lucy does like have agency in the beginning of the book, I mean, she's the one that's like, I'm going to get on a boat. <laughs> And God only knows what I'm going to do when I get off this boat, basically. I'm going to figure out a plan. And, um, but life does just sort of like happen at both of them. Yeah. Like they just, it just feels like they're both so isolated and just not in control of their own destinies, to be honest. Yeah. Even, even at the end of Lucy's story, she's given the school by M. Paul and she's, she's waiting. She's constantly waiting. She's waiting for him to come back from sea. She's waiting for, Doc Graham to pay attention to her. She's waiting for Miss Marchmont to write the will. She's, it's, I don't know, more happens in Lucy's story. Yeah, but I don't know necessarily that she is more proactive than Anne Elliot. Yeah, for sure. I think they're b- both very similar to that in that sense. Like, 
I think Anne is, um, I mean, her life is more realistic, I guess. It's, it's very more like toned down. That's a very like, I know, common situation, right? Just, you know, pretty normal family, middle child kind of gets neglected, like, See, yeah, I don't. It's know not that. extreme. Like Lucy's story is extreme. Like Charlotte Bronte takes extreme measures to isolate Lucy. She does, but she's also writing from real life. And do I mean you must get this as well? I mean, you 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 hear my stories, and I'm like, God, this has happened today. And like people, are like, how do you get into these situations? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just living my <laughs> life, and this, this stuff is happening around me and at me and like just it's always it's just always happening and uh so yeah it's not it's not less you know like there's the gothic stuff the only the only thing in this which is particularly gothic is all of the stuff with the nun and then the nun ends up not being like a person so I'd say that's like the biggest stretch but in terms of like realism just goes away like you remember when I moved to America (laughs) you just left just moved didn't know anyone yeah I think it's just like if Charlotte's trying to make the the reader I mean I guess Charlotte's life is feels extreme too to be honest yeah because I do think she's trying to make you feel a lot of like Lucy's like struggle and pain and you're just like this girl's an orphan and then she finally found finds a position with Miss Marchmont and Seems like everything's going to be okay. And then just before Miss Marchmont's going to give her money, like she dies. And it just feels like so extreme, you know, over and yeah, over again. Because she's packing nine years with no backstory into the first two chapters. Of the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, we'll start off with this girl as at 14 and then we'll have her at 23 and move to Brussels. And so yeah, and it's just, you get those like back to back are very like, oh my God, what's going on with this girl? Like everything yeah, is the absolutely. worst with her. Because because it takes place over a much longer period of time, where Anne yeah. Elliot's story takes place over the course of what a, a year. Yeah, you have a nice like so, slow build into the story. Yeah, and although you don't have, you know, like I said, anecdotally, you don't have a lot of stories about Anne. You do have like a this is a rough idea of what her life has been like, and her mum dying. This is what her family is like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. I think Villette is like relentless in a way that to bring bring back a book that we're not supposed to be talking about in a way that Jane Eyre's story isn't. So mm-hmm. Jane Eyre's story also spans like a really long time, but she doesn't go to as many. It doesn't. It doesn't feel as like even that feels slower, and that is over. <laughs> you know, well, I feel like so. it feels like Jane has more control in her story. Yeah, I think that's what. The differences there too and you're like a little bit more it's not a, not as unsettled it's a calmer book it's just yeah in comparison Villette is very stormy Villette is the storm yeah. that kills M. Paul himself it is and um, did you Excellent notice quote. did you notice that in both books uh the protagonists aren't introduced we talked about it uh in the persuasion episode but mm-hmm. um Lucy Snow isn't introduced by name until chapter two yeah so she's, totally. she's narrating her own story, but she doesn't tell us who she is until chapter two. And that chapter is actually called Paulina. And what really struck me when I was going back through my notes was that, like, just from the very start, we we know that Paulina is going to be a big deal. We know that these two women's fates are going to be 
completely entwined. And also it was these early chapters that got got me at least thinking about Louisa May Alcott because it was reminding me so much about um, the, oh, who was it? The old old fashioned girl storyline and just like, mm-hmm. just the relationship between like the young girl and the older guy, like as a, as a child and just like see, seeing those relationships when they start off as just being innocent. Like it's something you see so much in literature, but you weren't seeing yeah. so much of it at the time. Like I think when Charlotte Bronte did it, it must've been quite, I don't know. don't know what I'm saying, man. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's an interesting device. It's actually, so this was something that was cut out of the persuasion episode. Cause I wanted to bring it back up again is, um, you were talking about, you know, if we were going to really parallel, because we were talking about like there's things in Valette you could throw into Persuasion and vice versa to like maybe even strengthen the storyline. And oh, yeah, you I said want, I want that the ending at the end of Persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would make Persuasion like ideal. Like well, that. you talked about like the like possibly even having Lucy and Doc John when they were children having some sort of relationship or some sort of feeling. Did I? And I say children, I think they're like 14 or 16. Yeah. You were like, that would have been interesting had they had some sort of like attraction or something in the early days. And then when they meet up again years later, you know, sort of paralleling like Anne and Wentworth. Like that would have been an interesting spin on that storyline. And that would have actually given you a lot more reason to go, oh, is this why she's hiding his, you know, his you identity? Cut, you should cut that into this episode. Sounds like I really knew what I was talking about. <laughs> I made a great point that I've now forgotten. You but did. I mean, it was great. And I was like, this is a great point. We'll talk about it later. In true Hannah style, I no longer agree with myself. Do you not? <laughs> so do you not? What do you... <laughs> So what do you think now? I think I think it should have been our early sign that they weren't going to be together. Mm-hmm. In different playmates as children, you know, is it going to yeah. work out if if when she's unworked, you know, still got her bloom? If he ain't interested, then is he ever going to be interested, <laughs> Lucy? This is the voice of your conscience. <laughs> he didn't like you then. Yeah, he was just like not bothered, but completely entranced in like a weird like teenage boy way with with Polly. Like you know from the chemistry between Graham and Polly, not like the chemistry like that, but the yeah. draw between the two of them is there. And I, it's it's fine in that in those first couple of chapters. Like I, I really well, it creeped me out a little bit. But Polly Polly is creepy. Like you could do a whole episode about Polly and what is it? Her pygmy hands they're described as. Yeah. Um but like that works. It's just it's just when it's aged up and then she's still a child. I'm like, why why is she still a child? Like Right. Why is she still so obsessed with her father? Why is she she's very subservient to John as children and then yeah and then when they're older. Yeah, it's just very much like, let me get you your breakfast and how are you feeling like it's just all about him. It's all about like whatever man is in front of her. It's all about like that night father or her her husband realizes as an adult as well that he likes her. The the chapter closes with him Lucy is sat there staring at him, staring at Polly, sewing with a little gold Mm -hmm. thimble. And he's staring at her and it's almost like predatory and possessive and yeah. it's, it's all encompassing. He's like, 
this is this is Polly and it's yeah, I don't know, it's it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it is a lot. I feel like um I don't know, Charlotte's not um sure if like the the way she you know, like when we're talking about the Louisas of the world, like the Polly's and the Genervas, um it's like men keep falling in love with these ridiculous women. Like, will they ever just like value me like as an intelligent, you know, just as a, as an equal, as an equal partner. Oh, you read my notes. <laughs> oh, d- is this in your notes? <laughs> yeah. Why do men persist in loving stupid women? <laughs> in capitals. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where Charlotte's going with this. <laughs> yeah. Will anyone ever love me for me? And that, and just, that yeah, whole as an bit equal. where, um, He's like, she doesn't even, she doesn't even want the jewels I give her. And Lucy's just sat there like, yes, she does. She knows exactly how much they're all worth. She is playing you like a fiddle, mm-hmm. my friend. And he just, he won't see it. And Geneva's just saying, she's like, I'm a silly girl. Like, I just want to laugh and drink and flirt and be coquettish. And he wants me to be really serious. He just won't. Yeah. Like, and yeah, it's, if when, when you are self-important enough to think you're one of the Anne Elliot's and not one of the Louisa Musgraves, then yeah. Stuff like that is annoying. But maybe it's unfeminist of us to be saying this. Well, I think Anne has this feeling too as well. I mean, I don't know. Like, or maybe I had this feeling when reading the book. Well, or Lady Russell certainly does. Lady it's Russell like, hey, certainly has that look, feeling. I look at like the yeah, you, this is a woman who is your equal. This is a woman who's like intelligent and reasonable and you know, like this is who you should be, you know, partnering up with, not this ridiculous girl. Well, because the thing is, every everything that Louise is saying, because it's the right thing to say, Anne was saying sincerely and earnestly, is the point. And so there are these moments where Anne overhears Louisa talking, and I, I think that's like a big difference between Louisa and Anne, actually. <laughs> Louisa and Anne, um, Lucy and Anne, is that Anne is observing the relationship between Captain Wentworth and Louisa, and she's she's smiling at herself, but she she doesn't begrudge. She doesn't begrudge Louisa this relationship. Her time is over. She she does she has no expectations, and she knows that for a young woman, like there, it's the excitement of like meeting someone, and he's a naval officer. They've never they've never cared about the naval lists before, but here's this naval officer right. that they want to impress, and so suddenly they're pouring over the books. It's what you do. It's female currency of the time. You know, it's it's how you get a guy's attention, and there's all of these bits where it's in Austin's writing where like when Louisa falls off the step it's because she knows that the thing that he says that he values is a determined mind and so in her mind jumping off the step even when he says not to that's being determined and it isn't Mm -hmm. it's not that isn't the same thing that's not that's not the point but she's that's just how she's taking it whereas I think Lucy Snow is very scornful of Geneva yeah, but kind of keeps her around. She keeps her, she does keep her around. I don't think she's got a lot of choice, to be honest. <laughs> it's true. I think she wants the company. <laughs> like, no one else is her friend. She's stuck between Geneva and Paul, <laughs> who is abusive, and yeah. opposite Dumbledore, Madame Beck. So, I-, I can't tell with that relationship with Geneva if she's just like, you know, you're ridiculous. I love lecturing you. You love teasing me about me lecturing she's you. She's fond of her, but she also definitely mm-hmm. thinks that um, Geneva's an arsehole and that she's better than her. Totally. <laughs> totally. Whereas Anne Elliot 
looks at Louisa and she's like, she's young. Yeah. She's young. She's a young, silly girl. It's no, it's like, doesn't matter. Yeah. um, Lucy doesn't have as much patience as Anne. Or just like wisdom. She's smart. She's very smart. But yeah, she's not like, you know, a wise, calm gal. She's probably smarter than Anne. Yeah, she's probably for sure. more educated than Anne, you know. And she's, yeah. lived, she's lived more of a life and she's had more life experiences and she's had more independence. She's probably sharper um, and can take better care of herself than Anne could. Oh. There's um, a couple of great, great scenes in um, both books where um, the uh, both women have to sit there and listen to the guy that they've got feelings for just talking about another woman so obviously in persuasion we've got uh like just multiple scenes like multiple 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 scenes where it's either the crofts talking about captain wentworth or it's her family talking about captain wentworth or it's henrietta and louisa talking about captain wentworth or it's captain wentworth hitting on louisa while anne's hiding in a hedge listening and then in uh in valette you've got doc graham just cluelessly banging on about Geneva on and on and on and on and on and then when he gets rid of Geneva even after he's kind of strung Lucy along for a little bit it's then like hey let's talk about Polly she's just like oh yeah are you kidding me are you kidding me right now (laughs) it's just um these women just react differently to that and it's like I think that just comes like here Anne you know receives it with a lot of grace and Lucy receives it with a lot of anger that's why I love that line when she's just like, hey, stop, just don't talk about me. Yeah, cool, yeah. thanks. <laughs> I never need to come up in conversation. Like I have said that to people. That causes like, yeah, that, that stuff, that stuff is the killer, people talking about you. Yeah, that's a great Real Housewife classic line too as well. Comes up a lot in episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and also if you're doing a modern retelling as well, like, you can imagine both of these women having real issues with the Facebook relationship status change. Oh, yeah. Which I'm fully against, by the way, people. If you're in a relationship, you don't need to update your Facebook status. Because <laughs> that breakup moment when you've got your two friends and it's like, Nick is single. And then everyone's like, oh, my gosh, what happened? I'm so sorry. And it's like, no one needs that. That doesn't need to be a thing that's happening on a social media oh. account. <laughs> like, can you no. just... Lucy Snow just comments going, hey, stop talking about me. And Anne Elliot just deletes Facebook. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think this also, like, it comes down to the difference between Austen's writing and Charlotte Bronte's writing and what Charlotte Bronte said about Austen's writing, too, that it's all, like, it's all neat and proper and that there's just, she didn't feel the passion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you compare and contrast these two characters you're seeing that but it's just it's just charlotte's not respecting like ann elliott's reserve yeah like charlotte's like no like i need you to see like the fire and the rage the way this woman would react charlotte bronze wants you to be the hot mess that she is at all times (laughs) jane austen is sort of grace under fire and uh charlotte bronte is just fire yeah yeah all right now, which one would you rather have brunch with, Lucy or Anne? I don't like Lucy, man. Anne Elliot. I think I definitely have lunch with Lucy. 
I think Anne Elliot would be a great hostess and Lucy would be like, hey, I'm going to tell you some gossip, but then she'd leave yes. half of it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then right as I'm leaving, she'd be like, oh, by the way, that person I was talking about, it was you. And then like shut the door. <laughs> and there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my problem with Lucy Snow. I feel like we fully compared and contrast these characters. Yeah. No? Finally. Yes. I feel like we've really got them out of our systems. I've got, I hope the I've listeners got something do out too. of the system. <laughs> well, now, I'm going to move it along to announcements. Are there announcements? There are so many announcements. Because, Hit me. Tell um, me. This is the end of season one. Can you believe it? For the Crazy. second time tonight, this is the end of season one. <laughs> this is really it. This is really it. It's we're really, really we're done. It's over. Um, it was a great ride. And I have to thank all of our listeners because you guys have made this so super enjoyable. We had no idea what to expect when we started this project. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and I, yeah, we have so many more things to talk about. I can't believe that we've also like gone to the Parsonage, gone to Chotton, which you guys don't know about yet, but it's coming up. Oh, there's some great audio coming from that Chotton trip. Let me tell I was clutching that dictaphone, like yeah. whispering into it in the corner of the room. Lauren just kept turning around like I was talking to her. I wasn't, I was talking to you guys. She was, myself. she was. So um, we are taking a little break uh, for the next few weeks while we edit uh, season two, get a bunch of stuff ready for you guys. But that doesn't mean that we're going to disappear completely. We are going to read Tenet of Wildfell Hall. Oh, I'm so um, happy. Finally. So many of you guys have already read it and you've been tweeting at me and I'm like, oh my God, we have to like discuss it. So I got into um, a fight when we were at Gaskell House because I got nervous <laughs> during our panel that someone was going to spoiler it for me. And I was like, look, I know it's unreasonable. This book's been out for 200 years. However, <laughs> I yeah. like, how often do you get like a classic book? Like imagine reading Pride and Prejudice without having seen it on TV or knowing any of it. Like imagine that. And that's what I've yeah. got with, with Tenant. So I've got to read it because I'm so scared of the spoiler. Totally. And I feel like if you do this podcast any longer, you're going to be spoiled. Like 110%. Yeah, definitely. So we've got to read it. We've got to read it now. Um, this is going to drop and during... suddenly my like inbox is just going to be like, this is what happens in Tenant. Because <laughs> you, you hate Charlotte Bronze, so we're going to ruin your life. <laughs> Team Bronte is not vindictive like that. They want you to love Anne Bronte, so they're going to let you have your peace. Tell you what, Team and... Austin, we're going to steal your lunch money. <laughs> no, you guys are vicious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to post uh, a bunch of threads in our Facebook group. So um, if you guys have read Tenet, please join our Facebook group. Come in there, have a discussion with us. We will tape uh, an episode for season two where we discuss... Um, everyone's thoughts on the book and um, yeah yeah but expect that in season two and uh, yeah I think that I think that's all for announcements is that we have some I think that's it right I think we're good you good yeah we're good I mean we have so many things to announce we're gonna hold off until season two we have a very very exciting um, Emily Bronte program coming up and we also have a couple of live like meetups yeah we do that are happening so 
stay tuned. We're going to be back in March. It's not too long. So don't worry about it. All of you that thought it was weird watching us talk on a video, wait until it happens in real life. And it yeah, seriously. Edited, and it goes on for ages. And I laugh yeah. at all my own jokes. Yeah. It's obnoxious. Oh my God. It's going to be, it's going to be something. So thank you guys again for listening. We love you. Thank you for season one. Thank you for making it happen. Yes. (laughs) Downloading it and putting up with this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) This absolute nonsense. And if people want to reach out to us and give us a shout while we're on break, how should they do that, Hannah? You can reach us on Instagram and Twitter, as always, at Bonnets at Dawn. You can send us an email, bonnetsatdawn at gmail.com. You can find us on the Facebook. Bonnets at Dawn. That's true.